Well, good morning, church, and thank you for joining us online for worship. Uh, my name is Adam Groza. I'm serving as the teaching uh, pastor right now at Church in the Valley. We're so glad that you've joined us. Um, I especially want to welcome anyone who's sort of visiting the church online this morning. We're especially glad that you've chosen chosen to uh, join us for this morning's worship service. Um, this morning, we're actually doing something new. We're beginning a 10-week sermon series in the book of Philippians. And Philippians is a book in the New Testament, and it's actually a letter that's written by the Apostle Paul to a church, to a group of Christians in a town called Philippi. And Paul had actually planted the church at Philippi with Silas back in about 48 AD. And in Acts 16, you can read all about that. And you can read about how Paul and Silas faced demonic opposition. They uh, faced persecution and imprisonment for preaching the gospel. But the church was planted. And long after Paul had left, it thrived. And Paul maintained his relationship with these Christians and had a, a real special relationship with them. So years later, in 62 AD, Paul is in prison in Rome, and the church in Philippi sends him kind of some care, uh, kind of like a care package, some, some assistance, and they come to his aid as he's in prison. And as a response to their care for him, Paul writes the letter to the Philippians that we have recorded for us in Scripture and that we're going to spend the next 10 weeks kind of studying together. So Paul writes this letter in about 62 AD, and by about 67 AD, Paul um, dies as a martyr in Rome uh, under Emperor Nero. So this is a letter he writes to this very dear group of Christians, and that's something that's very important as we study the book of Philippians, that you understand these people to whom Paul writes uh, are very dear to him. Uh, as you read the book, as we, as we study the book, you're going to understand that the church in Philippi uh, is probably Paul's favorite church. Uh, you're not supposed to play favorites, but Paul really loves these people, and they hold a very special place in Paul's heart because of their commitment to the gospel, their commitment to Jesus, their commitment to spreading the gospel, um, their commitment to really following Jesus. Um, those are the reasons that Paul really loves them and holds them in such high esteem. So the series that we're going to have in the book of Philippians over the next 10 weeks uh, is titled Celebration and Growth celebration and growth, because what we're going to see week after week in this study is that the Christian life, the Christian life is really about celebrating God's gracious work in our life through faith in Jesus um, and also the pursuit of godliness. Paul is going to celebrate all that God is doing in their lives as they're trusting him um, and he's also going to challenge them to grow in godliness. So those are the themes, celebration and growth. And I think that those are two things uh, that really are critical for the Christian 
life, celebration, and growth. We want to recognize and see what God is doing in our lives, and we want to celebrate how he's transforming us by grace through faith, and he's changing us, and he's shaping us, and he's transforming us. And we want to stop and celebrate his work in our lives. And at the same time, we as a church want to pursue growth. We want to see more and more of our lives reflect God's grace and Christ's humility. We want more obedience, more zeal, more fellowship with God. And oftentimes we forget one of these two things, celebration or growth. We forget one of these two things and the result is bad. Celebration is so important. And it's interesting because right now in our society, we're realizing kind of in a new way how important it is to celebrate because so many of our celebrations, our normal celebrations have been postponed or changed. Um, Celebrations like weddings and birthdays and graduations and anniversaries, you know, they've been canceled or at least moved online. And I know you're probably like me, you've You've probably sung happy birthday on Zoom a couple times to somebody, uh, taken part in an online or virtual family gathering, and that's, you know, kind of as good as it can get, but it's not the same. And right now in our society, we're missing kind of the value of in-person celebration, being able to get together and celebrate the things that are life-giving and make life good And the loss of celebration is sad, and it reminds us of how important it is to celebrate. And, you know, in the church, we celebrate things like baptisms and salvations and anniversaries and rededications and just the personal victories that we experience by the grace of God. It is so important that we stop and celebrate the ways in which God is at work. In us, And we're going to see that in the book of Philippians. And when we stop celebrating, uh, when we stop pausing to recognize the ways in which God is at work, and when we focus on kind of our disappointments or the ways that we're failing or, you know, just the ways that we, we don't feel like things are going like they should be, then we get discouraged and we get disappointed and we feel abandoned and we start to distance ourselves from God and his word and his people. And then what happens is we stop pursuing growth and we just settle for maybe past victories or just kind of where we're where we're at in our walk with Christ. And so both of these things, celebration and growth, really are so important to us having a vibrant, joyful walk with Christ. So that's my goal in this series. For us to see that the death and resurrection of Jesus for our sins gives us reason every day to celebrate the ways that God is at work and to grow together as a church in our pursuit of Christ-likeness. So this morning we're going to start in by looking at verses 1 through 5 of chapter 1. So go ahead and turn in your Bible to Philippians chapter 1. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. 
And uh, I'll read this for us and then I'll pray. And the title of this morning's message is Partners in the Gospel. That's kind of what we're going to key in on this morning is celebrating and growing in our partnership for the gospel as we see in Philippians 1, 1 through 5. So follow along as I read and then I'll pray and we'll get going. So Philippians 1 verse 1 says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Let's pray together. Father, you are so good to us in Christ. Your promises are true. Your word is settled in the heavens. And so this morning, Father, we want to pause and understand what it means as a church to partner in the gospel. So I pray that you give me grace to preach and that you would give the hearers grace to hear so that all of us would be doers of your word and just grow in our joy and grow in our celebration of your work in our lives and and grow in Christ, grow in our commitment and in our zeal for the truth and to live it out in our lives faithfully as an act of worship to you for your for your gracious work in our lives through Christ Jesus we pray amen so this morning our passage is an introduction all right this is a letter and like letters it has an introduction and and the main point this morning that i i really want you to get is that the church in philippi was a model church because they were partners in the gospel. The church in Philippi is is a model church. Paul is praising them. He's celebrating them because they are partners in the gospel. I want to start with a question for you this morning. Uh, Just consider this for a moment. What do you think makes a church great? What is it that you think makes a church great? If you were to move to a new town and you you move to a new town and you're looking for a church and you talk to somebody and they were to say, oh, you should check out this church because this church is great. What what would that mean? What does it mean for a church to be great? For some people, it, it might be about the facilities. Church has a great building. For some people, the church is great because it has a great worship band or a great choir or a great youth program or great home groups or great preaching. And all of these things can be really helpful. But what we see this morning is that Paul is praising a church that is about 14 years old, not for any of those things, but because they are partners in the gospel. And what I want us to see is that the essence of a church And the hallmark of a great church is in a group of people who gather together and consistently have the gospel in common and put the person and work of Jesus at the center of all that they do. 
That's what it means for a church to be a church. And when a church does that faithfully and consistently, it's what it means for a church to be great, to be praiseworthy in a biblical sense. Now, the word here for partners, when when Paul talks about being partners in the gospel, is the Greek word for fellowship, koinonia, which means to participate in something together and to have something in common. Now, think about this for a moment. This is just kind of how life works. If you're part of a running group, it means that you have the, the love of running or the enjoyment of running in common with other people. If you're in a book club, you have in common a book or the love of reading with other people. And you, you desire to talk about books, so you get together, and that's what, that's what brings you together. Or if you go to a sports game and you join hundreds or thousands of people in rooting for a team, what you have in common, what you share together is your, is your experience of rooting for the team and you share together the, the victories or the defeats of the game. So what is it that we as a church have in common? It's not running or reading or sports or economics or politics or ethnicity, or background. Like, we have a lot of different things about us, but what we have in common in Southern California is the same thing that the church had in common in Philippi in the first century. We share in common our belief that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for our sins, who rose again, who is reigning right now over all of creation and uh, to whom we will one day be reunited. And so we share those things in common. Those of us who believe share those things in common. Look, regardless of your past or your economic situation or however you think you might not fit in, yeah, I don't know if you've ever had this experience of, you know, just feel like you, like you don't fit in, like maybe you don't, you don't have that thing in common that other people have in common, so you feel like an outsider. But look, here's the thing. If you believe in Jesus, if you are trusting in Jesus to save you, then, then this church is the perfect place for you. Then you belong. You're in. Because that's just what it means to be, to be a, a part of the fellowship of the church. What we have in common is the good news of the death and resurrection of Jesus. So if you share that belief, if that's you, then you, you belong. You're a, you're a part of it. You're in. That's what we have in common. That's what binds us. That's what unites us. And, and maybe you're not there yet, but you're interested in learning about Jesus. Maybe you've tuned in because you're, you're interested in the, in the gospel or you at least realize, you know, that what you've been doing is not working. And, and maybe you've come to the realization that, you know, kind of the world's promises of self-betterment or self-realization just are not panning out. And so you, you, you want to investigate Jesus and who he is and what he's done. And if that's you, then, then you, you belong because that's what we're, we're all about. What we are all about is the person and work of Jesus. The gospel, the good news is what really makes us who we are. So here's the thing. 
A church is filled with people that realize they're not good enough and they've seen through the false claims that the world has to offer. And, and we've kind of come to realize just Jesus is the one who actually knows what's going on and he's the one we should be following. He's the one that gives us the truth. And, and the great thing is he wants to have a relationship with us forever. So the church is filled with people from different backgrounds, different social status, different nationalities, different ethnicities. But what we share in common is our belief that Jesus is the one who can save us by his death and resurrection because he bore our sins on the cross. So think about the church in Philippi. You have Paul who kind of starts the church and he's he's a he's a Jew he's from Tarsus grew up in Jerusalem and he he founds the church in in Philippi with Gentiles and Jewish converts so different people you've got a Roman jailer who's a part of the early church so you've got uh, Gentile converts to Judaism you've got a Roman jailer and his family you have Lydia who is uh, you know, from another city, but she was living in Philippi with her family and she appears to have some money. So she's a part of the church. Maybe they meet at her house. And this is a just a different group of people from different places. There's so much about these people that they don't have in common. But what they have in common is their shared belief in the good news of Jesus Christ. Look, this is what makes them a great church, a church to follow. Really, the church of Philippi is a, is a model church. Notice what Paul says in verse 3. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all, making my prayer with joy. I mean, Paul could not be more effusive in his praise for them. This is comprehensive prayer for all of them. I mean, what makes them such a great church is that they are all about the gospel. This is what makes them uh, a praiseworthy church is that their fellowship is centered on the person and work of Jesus. And we as a church in the 2020 um have so much to learn from their example that this is what we should be all about. If we want to be a praiseworthy church in a biblical sense, a great church in a biblical sense, we need to just never give up pursuing, making sure that Christ is at the center of our fellowship and the gospel is really at the heart of our identity. Notice in verse 5 that they were they were consistent in this gospel-centeredness. They were consistent. Look in verse 5. Paul says, Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. You see, churches in the first century, just like churches now, you know, were kind of given to fads. Something, something short-lived that's new and exciting. If you read uh, the the book of First John in the New Testament, the first chapter of First John kind of addresses this issue of the tendency of Christians 
to be drawn to something new and something sort of exciting. And if we're not careful, you know, we can be distracted from our focus on the gospel and start to chase trends or fads or just kind of the latest thing. But the church in Philippi was steadfast in their focus on the gospel. Paul says they were partners in the gospel from the first day until now. So the whole point is they were consistent in their focus on the person and work of Jesus. Eugene Peterson has a book titled A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, which is actually a quote from a nihilistic philosopher named Friedrich Nietzsche, who in his book Beyond Good and Evil talks about the idea that everybody is heading in a direction. Everybody's heading a direction. And the gospel, the gospel is not just something that we add on to our lives. The gospel is something that really directs our life and transforms our life. And as Christians, we want to follow Christ with perseverance and with steadfastness. And we want to be consistently together as a church focused on the victory of Christ over sin and death by his death on the cross and his resurrection. And we access that victory not by our works, but by faith alone, by trusting in Christ. We receive all that Christ has accomplished. And we should have as Christians, and we should want to have a long obedience in the same direction as we follow Christ and as we we really guard ourselves to make sure that he's at the center of our lives and our fellowship. We don't want to be Christians. We don't want to be a church that chases fads, chases trends, or is sidetracked by unnecessary controversies or needless division. We want to be united and growing in the good news of the person and work of Jesus Christ. So this is the message of the first couple verses of Philippians. That even though these people came from different places, even though there was so much that they didn't have in common, what united them, their identity, was the gospel, the good news of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for sinners. So let me ask us a few questions as a church just to kind of apply this. Apply this idea that we should celebrate and grow in our partnership together for the Gospels. A couple questions just to think through. Number one, I, I mean, the first question is this. Do you know the good news? Have you come to believe the good news that God will save anyone who trusts in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and who's willing to turn away from their sins and commit themselves to following Jesus as Lord and Savior. Have you come to that point? And, and maybe, maybe previously you said no, but maybe even this morning you find yourself in a situation where just life circumstances, whatever's happened, you feel like you're ready to trust in Jesus. And I would just encourage you to do that right now. That's where you start in your journey with Christ. That's, that's kind of how you join us in our pursuit 
of celebrating and growing in Jesus. You start by trusting in Christ that he died for your sins and he rose again on the third day. And you can make that commitment to Christ or you can sort of recommit yourself to that. Maybe if you've believed in Christ but you've sort of wandered away. Where are you in relationship to the gospel? Is it your hope? Is it your joy? I hope that that's true of you. And if not, I hope you'll make that decision this morning. But the first question is, where are you in regards to this good news that made this group of people in Philippi and makes us partner together, come together, and really unites us together? So second, here's the question. If somebody were to come to our church, if somebody were to watch online, if somebody were to come to our church once we're gathered together, here's the question that I want you to consider. Would they understand what we are all about? Would someone come to our church and know that we are all about Jesus? Would they understand that that Jesus is the hero? Jesus is the teacher? Jesus is the shepherd? Jesus' word is, is 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 our authority. It's what guides our lives. Would they understand that our heart's desire is to follow Jesus. See, I think one of the things that this passage calls us to sort of dedicate ourselves to is is just to being a church that makes a big deal about Jesus. We don't want people coming in and leaving and not understanding that Christ is the center of our fellowship. He's what unites us and binds us and our identity is in Jesus. It's in his death and his resurrection for us. He's the only one that can save us. And, and so when we sing, we sing about him. And when we talk, we, we talk about him. And when we share our stories about life, you know, our lives revolve around him. Would someone come into our church and understand that our fellowship, our identity, our partnership is in the good news of Jesus Christ? And number three, on on kind of a more personal note, in our homes, in our family units, is the gospel front and center. You see, in our passage, the gospel led Paul to joy and prayer and thanksgiving. You know, Paul is just thinking about how the good news of Jesus has brought him into fellowship with these people and it's established their fellowship and as he prays he's just filled with joy and thanksgiving and I wonder is the joy and thanksgiving of the gospel taking root in our homes in our relationships you know the gospel is all about the fact that Jesus paid our debts and so God doesn't hold our sin against us Because Jesus paid for our sins. And Jesus calls us to forgive our enemies. Jesus calls us not to keep a record of wrongs. And I wonder, are our homes places where we're living out that kind of forgiveness? That kind of grace? um, That kind of love? Are we operating out of the gospel? Are we quick to confess, quick to repent, quick to forgive? Not holding wrongs against each other? Or maybe if we slipped into kind of a worldly thinking, which is more like karma, 
Grace is about giving people good things they don't deserve. Karma is about giving people what you think they deserve. And, and, the, and the gospel is all about grace, but the world operates on karma. And I wonder, are our homes operating out of grace or are they operating out of karma? Are, are, we, are we allowing the gospel to shape our relationships and kind of the culture of our homes? Or is kind of worldly thinking shaping the way we act and interact and kind of the conditions under which we will show each other kindness. Because here's the thing, if we are individuals who have experienced God's grace, how can we not show that grace to each other? And as we show that grace to each other, and as we sort of operate in our relationships out of love and grace that we've learned from Christ, it leads to joy and thanks. Giving and, and I know that we're sinners and we're fallen and we fail. But when we stumble, do we get back up? Do we confess? Do we repent? And do we sort of operate out of gospel truth in our homes and in our relationships? Because here's the deal. When we do, there is so much joy and so much to be thankful for in our relationships and in our lives. So I want us to think about this personally. Have I come to believe the gospel? Am I trusting in Christ? And as a church, is it clear to anyone and is it clear to us that we are centered on what Christ has done? And he is really, um, he is the hero. Every time we gather, we want to focus our affections and our attention on him. And in our lives and in our homes, especially in our relationships, are we dealing with each other? in a way that reflects the truth of the good news that God forgives us because Christ paid for our sins. Are we operating out of the grace that we've been shown? So a church is a place where we share Christ in common. He binds us. He saves us. He transforms us. And what a privilege and what a joy to be a part of a gospel-centered church where the gospel, the, the good news of God's boundless grace towards us through faith in Jesus Christ is what makes us a church. And if we'll focus on that consistently and with energy and, and intentionality, it's what, makes, it's what makes for a great church. So let's give thanks for that this morning. Let's focus on that and let's just be reminded that we want to celebrate and grow in grace personally, in our churches, in our church, and also in our homes. Let me close this in prayer. Father, this morning I pray that we would just be reminded and encouraged um, about what, what brings us together, what binds us, what makes us a church. And Lord, I pray that we as individuals would, would just on a daily basis be setting our minds on the gospel as we read your word, as we have times of prayer, as we set aside time in our day to fellowship with you and to commune with you. Lord, that out of that, we would just be reminded of your mercy towards us in Christ and that that would affect the way we, uh, the way we see ourselves, the way that we treat others. Lord, I pray that we would just be encouraged this morning as we remember that our unity, our 
fellowship, our partnership, is centered upon and founded upon the person and work of Jesus Christ. I I pray that that would be freeing to us, that it would be encouraging to us, and that would help us to face this next week. Whatever uncertainties that lie there, I pray, Lord, that it would enable us to face this week with courage and joy and thanksgiving. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.